epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Back again on the Hangtime Podcast, Seku Smith in Atlanta. My main man, John Schumann in New Jersey. We are here to take you through division by division, a preview of the 2018-19 season. We've already knocked out the Pacific, the Atlantic, and the Northwest. Drama ensues, no doubt, in all three of those divisions. And where is there better drama shoe than, than the land that LeBron left, the Central Division, the Cleveland Cavaliers, after four straight years of playing to the final day of the NBA season? What is left? What is left in the wake of LeBron's departure to the Los Angeles Lakers? Kevin Love and... <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh... <laughs> That's cold. <laughs> I mean... Some players have a lot to prove, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Including Kevin Love. Right. Do you think there's a shift in terms of responsibility that's going to be that great on Kevin Love's shoulders to go back to being... I think I saw somebody call it Minnesota Love the other day where he was you know, averaging 25 and 14 and, and looking like a superstar? Or does this become something that Ty Lue has to figure out how to piece together kind of a ragtag roster in the aftermath of LeBron and maybe show us that they were better than they got credit for, maybe? I'm real curious as how it's going to work out offensively. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can play through Kevin Love, say, in the post. But I think as every year passes by, I think fewer teams are willing to double team in the posts. Right. So, okay, Kevin Love's going to get his post touches and he can score down there. But I think opponents will be mostly willing to live with that. I think the issue with them offensively is they don't have somebody who is particularly dynamic off the dribble that can create issues for defenses because they're so quick with the ball. George Hill is not that. Rodney Hood, not really. Colin Sexton, I don't know yet. But that's it. Like maybe Jordan Clarkson. But I mean, if he's going to be doing that and he's going to be hijacking the offense. That's not exactly a good thing either. So I am very curious as to how it's going to work offensively. And I'm also obviously curious as if this team is still a terrible defensive team. They haven't changed the defensive DNA at all. Yeah, I mean, I just look at the wings in that regard. Yeah. Like on the offense, I look at the ball handlers. And if there's any, like I said, I don't see any dynamic ball handlers there. And the wings, in the defensively, the wings, they have J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver, Hood, Oof. Chetty Osman. I don't see much defensive improvement coming with that group either. We could run the Cavaliers into the ground, but let's just be serious for a second here. Do they or do they not have what it takes to be a playoff team in Eastern Conference minus LeBron? Do you think they make the playoffs this year? I would guess not. I would lean towards no. Really? But I think it's possible. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's that mix of Miami, Detroit, Charlotte on the border. 
Detroit and Charlotte have the potential to take the Cavs spot for sure. Even with all those vets they got? I mean, they still have a bunch of veterans that have that experience. Right, but who's creating for them now? I mean, these guys have all had their shots created for them by LeBron for so long. Like Kyle Korver, terrific shooter, one of the best at running off screens and moving without the ball. But who's getting him the ball? Maybe you have a system now, though. Maybe you have a an offensive system. Yeah, I mean, Ty Lue is the, is the coach to watch. Just see yeah. what he can come up with, the crater created by LeBron's departure. You know, on offense in particular, he was everything to them. And so, especially once Kyrie Irving left, he's got to create a a completely new system. I'm fascinated to see how it works out. We always talk about what kind of bump a guy gives you when you add a a big-name free agent. And, you know, LeBron's good for double-digit win improvement everywhere he's been when he's changed teams. I haven't looked at the inverse. Like, what happens when he leaves to his—it's brutal, though. It's brutal, isn't it? In NBA history, the biggest win percentage drop from one season to the next— Belongs to the 2010-11 Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> they went from 61 and 21 in 2009-2010 uh, mm-hmm. to 19 and 63 Oof. in 2011-12. That was a bigger drop than when the Bulls lost Michael Jordan, <laughs> Scottie Pippen, and Phil Jackson. Wow. That team actually had the biggest drop in number of wins, but it's because the following season was a uh, lockout shortened. Right, right, right. And so if you just look at winning percentage, that team would have gone from 62 and 20, which in 97, 98, and they had the winning percentage of a team that was 21 and 61. And so the, the Cavs have, when LeBron left the last time, it was the biggest drop in winning percentage in NBA history. And that's more than 1,400 team seasons wow. in NBA history. I'm planting the so. flag right now for Ty Lue and the Cavaliers. I'm saying <laughs> it is not It is not going to be. I've seen the, the Cleveland Browns play a couple minutes of NFL football this year. Cleveland's fans need something to hang on to. It won't be the scorched earth that people believe it's going to be in Cleveland this year. I think the Cavaliers have a fighting chance to get in the playoff mix. What's fascinating is that they're not just like, hey, let's see how this season works out with Kevin Love as our focus. They gave Kevin Love a, the man like again. a $120 million contract yeah. extension. Yeah, he's the man again. Good for him. You know, let's see what Kevin Love can do with the keys to the franchise again. He put up crazy numbers in Minnesota, but I don't think there was an infrastructure surrounding him then where he would have been able to win. Maybe he can be the catalyst for this team and get them back to the playoffs. To me, that would speak volumes about the people that are left after LeBron if they were to be a playoff team in the Eastern Conference this year. One team I'm not concerned with, you at all, is the Indiana Pacers. And they are going into this season, my pick, even above Giannis and the Bucks. I think the Pacers are the team to beat in the Central Division this year. I might be crazy, but I really feel like they're a team that's on the come up. And getting Tyreek Evans, getting a shooter in Doug McDermott and a grimy big man in Kylo Quinn helps. I think they had a really good draft, getting Aaron Holiday. You know, we know what Victor Oladipo and Sabonis and Miles Turner's ready. I think they're the team that I would pick as the favorite right now in the Central. Am I crazy? Am I high on summer league fumes and off-season training videos, or, or does that make some sense to you? Makes sense to me. I think they're the safer pick to mm-hmm. win the division. Obviously, division doesn't matter. We're just talking about yeah, yeah. to be the best team of these five that we're talking about yes. today. With the Bucks being a little bit more of a gamble, but certainly a possibility to be, uh, say, the fourth, you know, and, and I think we're talking about 
the fourth best team in the East. You know, Basically, we're talking yes. about four and five. Cause yes. we, as we said in the Atlantic Division preview, Boston, Toronto, and Philadelphia Philly. look uh, like yes. the best three teams. Yes. I do agree with you. I do like the bench additions because Oladipo had the second biggest on-off differential last year in regard to how well the team played when he was on the floor versus off the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... When he was off the floor, they were much, much worse. And I think if you've got now a Tyreek Evans and a McDermott on that second unit to stabilize things a little bit, they shouldn't see as big of a drop-off. Turner, obviously, is the X factor. And it's a big year for him. He's in the last year of his rookie deal. And if he can take a, a big step forward on either end of the floor, that could obviously make some money for him. I think with him, it's a matter of too much mid-range shooting. He's a very good mid-range shooter, but just doesn't get to the basket enough. Mm -hmm. Doesn't get enough layups and dunks, and then needs to turn some of those mid-range shots into threes. And I'm curious if they can play Sabonis and Turner at all together. They were not very good when they played together last season. So that's a, I think they're two of their best players, but if they can't play together, I think that's an issue. The one thing that's kind of fascinating about this team is, in addition to Turner, they just have a bunch of guys on the last year of their deal. When you're talking about Thaddeus Young, Bogdanovich, and Collison, that's three starters, right? Three starting uh, starting vets on their last year of their deal. Tyreek Evans is just a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kylo Quinn is just a one-year deal. Corey Joseph is on the, on the last year of his deal. And like I said, Turner on the last year of his rookie deal. It's kind of an interesting, like, for next season, they basically have Oladipo and Sabonis and probably Turner coming back because he'll be a restricted free agent. But then mm-hmm. it could be a much different team next year. So I'm curious as to see you know, what works for them this year just to see uh, how they'll look going forward. I think we all owe Nate McMillan an apology. I remember when he was getting panned around the league you know, as a coach, when he had that group in Portland and everybody complained that he, you know, he was too set in his ways and he wasn't adapting to the current game and he, you know, he things had passed him by. He was fantastic last year. You know, he was changed so much, was so much more flexible than he'd been in previous seasons as a head coach. I was really impressed. It's not often you see a coach change his DNA the way Nate McMillan did. You think having him back for another year comfortable with that team kind of in the in the palm of his hand, so to speak, makes a difference for the Pacers as well? I do agree. He did a great job. I do think as far as modernizing their offense, they could take even another step. I mean, in each of the last two years, they've ranked in the top 10 in three-point percentage, but in the bottom 10 in the percentage of their shots that were threes. Mm-hmm. So they could improve their offense a little bit by turning some mid-range shots into threes, but that's what they do. You know, they're a high-volume pick-and-roll team with Oladipo and Collison. Like I said, Turner is a pick-and-pop big who takes a lot of mid-range shots. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's uh, opportunity for tweaks there to build off of what they had and tweak it a little bit to, to get even better. Turner, I think, can be a real impact defender. And if he could do that, then obviously uh, they can improve on the other end of the floor as well. I think McDermott could be, you know, a good fit for them as well. We'll see. I know everybody says that every time he goes somewhere because he's known as a really good shooter. He hasn't had a breakout season yet, but I'm thinking he's a guy who could be a really good fit. We'll find out. We'll find out. I agree with everybody else out there who thinks that the Pacers are potentially the class of that group in terms of the division. I really do. I think this is their chance to move up as Cleveland maybe takes a step back. Another team that could be poised for big things, but we don't know, is the Milwaukee Bucks. Shout out to John Hartzell and everybody else. Fear the deer. Mike Budenholzer is the real question mark for me. He did such a great job taking whatever pieces he was given in Atlanta and making them competitive, turning them into playoff teams early. 
Of course, we know what happened when they took the opportunity to, you know, to try and rebuild. It didn't turn out well. Is he the answer for what's ailing the Bucks in terms of them finally breaking through and becoming a better overall team in the Eastern Conference? Because we know Giannis is a superstar. That's not a question. And they've got some nice other pieces. Chris Middleton, I think, is a really solid number two on that team. But is Bud going to be the guy that pushes the right buttons on some of those other guys and gets them to step up to another level? I think the potential is there, and I'm curious to see how it works out because this is a group that we looked at both offensively and defensively and thought there's something missing as far as the way they played. Yeah. Offensively last year, they were 16th in ball movement and 20th in player movement, and we know I think that'll be a focus for them. Although they had a top 10 offense, so... With what they had, I think more important is what kind of impact Bud can make on the defensive end of the floor where they've, you know, they gave up a league high 39 points per game in the restricted area. Too many layups, too many dunks with this defense. And if you go just go back two years, the Hawks had a top five defense and were also top five in both preventing and defending shots in the restricted area. So that was with Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, for all his faults, remains a, a really good rim protector. Yeah. And so that was a, a factor there in Atlanta. And so we'll see, um, you know, Brooke Lopez isn't on that level. I do like the Ilyasova addition, though. I think he was a really good fit next to Ben Simmons in Philadelphia for his few months in Philly. And Simmons and Antetokounmpo are similar stylistically, I guess. And mm. so I think he'll be a good fit next to Antetokounmpo. Look at you showing off that you can pronounce on a Kumpo. I like that. <laughs> I do think like Bledsoe and Snell is sort of an uninspiring backcourt. I think Bledsoe obviously has a lot to prove after um, getting, uh, I don't know what the word is, uh, punked a little bit in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> don't mess with uh, the Celtics, baby. <laughs> do you think Brogdon is a better fit, maybe? than Bledsoe with the starting unit, or would that be a disastrous thing to do? Perhaps. He was injured for a good chunk of last year, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if any of these guys are going to... Like, I think Antetokounmpo will continue to get better. Mm -hmm. I just don't know where anybody else is getting better on this roster, unless... Thon Maker makes the breakthrough that we've sort of been waiting for. Well, based on this Kung Fu kick, I think Thon Maker is ready to... No, never mind. I'm not going to make any jokes about that. I like Thon Maker, though. I, I think he's limited athletically. In terms of he's not a high riser, but I think with his length and size and his timing, he could be a, a solid defensive backbone for you, like in terms of rim protector. Oh, I still remember two years ago, he, they were playing uh, Toronto in the playoffs. Yeah. And Lowry came off a pick and roll and went full speed down the left side of the floor. And Thon Maker was with him step for step and just basically swallowed him up. Mm -hmm. And it was like, holy cow. And he made that breakthrough and he, he was shooting corner threes. And But it just hasn't been there uh, consistently. But yeah, the tools are there. And maybe, you know, Bud is the right guy to take him to the next level, make him more consistent or make him an impact player on one side of the floor or the other. But like I said, it, it's hard to see a ton of improvement from the guys around Antetokounmpo, but he could still take it to another level himself. Right. Again, there's so many intriguing teams this year, just the way – Everybody has kind of reshuffled the deck in so many places. One of my favorite teams to watch always is the Detroit Pistons. Growing up watching the Bad Boys Pistons, then watching when they won a title again in 04 with Chauncey and Big Ben and Rasheed Wallace and Rip Hamilton, that group. Dwayne Casey's a coach that we both appreciate what he brings and, and what he's done in this league. I couldn't think of a better head coach for guys like Luke Kennard and Stanley Johnson who maybe need a different set of eyeballs on their game to figure out how to bring out the best in them. 
And then they went and signed my man Zaza Pachulia and uh, Glenn Robinson the third. You know, go blue. And I thought the Pistons are trying to reel me back in, shoot. They're trying to make me go back to 83 when I was actually a, a dyed-in-the-wool Pistons fan. Used to get T-shirts at Myers at this grocery store. You used to be able to get Pistons T-shirts in the grocery store. It was crazy. But they're trying to reel me back in, shoot, with this combination of Casey and a bunch of players I like. Because I'm a Blake Griffin guy. I know a lot of people have jumped off the Blake Griffin bandwagon over the years. I have not. I still I still believe in Blake. Do you believe in the Pistons being a, a team that has a chance to climb into the playoff mix? Oh, absolutely. I think they're probably a favorite. I think they are the favorite to take Cleveland's spot mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Griffin is really good, really talented. It's just about fit around him. Mm-hmm. And is Andre Drummond the right I like fit Drummond too, him? though. I, I do. Like I mean, yeah, I like them as pieces in a vacuum right? right i just don't know and the thing is they owe these guys a lot of money i mean griffin's got four four more years on his deal drummond's got three reggie jackson's got two i don't see other teams looking at the, any of those contracts and saying yeah we want that won't we want that so they got to make it work with this group like they were 11 and 14 with griffin last year mm-hmm. jackson didn't play much in those games in fact him and griffin have only been on the floor together for 47 minutes and so we haven't seen the three together, really. I just don't know how it fits, although I do. And I, and I also don't like the loss of Anthony Tolliver. We talked about it right. with Minnesota. I think he's a great big to have with Griffin and Drummond because he can fit uh, alongside either one. And he's the spacer, you know, Griffin and Drummond together. You know, yeah, Griffin has increased his three-point volume quite a bit in the last couple of years, but he's still kind of like a slow and deliberate shooter and not exactly a floor spacer around, you know, Jackson, Drummond, pick and rolls. So I'm I'm curious as to how it's going to work. And so I think you need a, a lure or an Al- Henry Ellenson to sort of step into that Tolliver role and be a guy who can complement both Griffin and Drummond and allow you to sort of stagger their minutes so that you're not worrying about that on-court chemistry as, as much as if they were playing, you know, 30 minutes together. Yeah. I don't like attacking this guy, but he's really been the linchpin player for them to me. And I like him as a guy, but I haven't loved him as the starting point guard for that franchise, at least understand Van Gundy. Is Reggie Jackson capable of operating the way he needs to in a Casey system and being the, the answer for them at point guard? I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't. I think that the jury is still out right. on Reggie Jackson. And if it's not, it's probably come down with a verdict of guilty, you know, or, you know, like, yeah. I just, you know, I, I'm keeping an open mind with a new coach and having not played alongside Griffin basically at all. Like I said, 47 minutes, those two guys played together last season. Right. I'll keep an open mind. Like I said, it's a weird combination, those three guys together. I think you can take any two of or you can take Jackson with Drummond and a floor spacing four, and I think you can make some things work. You can take Jackson with Griffin and some sort of unicorn floor spacing five and make it work. I just don't know if those two bigs together can work. I mean, it can work to a certain degree, but not uh, necessarily to the level that it needs to for this team to be thought seriously as a top four or five time team in the East. I had high hopes for him when he left Oklahoma City that he would be a really dynamic combo. You know, like I I like him at the one or two, depending on who he's playing with. I think he can do both. And I just felt like his development got stymied for whatever reason, whether it was him, whether it was Stan, you know, whatever. I just felt like it didn't take off the way I expected it to. But I'm glad you feel good about the Pistons. That'll make a lot of people I know feel very good about the prospects for our home state team. 
going into the season. The last team in the uh, Central Division, and, and we're doing division by division previews, guys, just to give us kind of a framework to evaluate all these teams. Obviously, where you finish in the division is not as important as it once was. But the Chicago Bulls shoe, I have no idea what to make of them. I really don't. They've got one of my favorite rookies coming in, in Wendell Carter Jr., who I think is going to be a an impact player for them. They got Jabari Parker, who I really like, who I know other people don't like as much as a fit in Chicago. I think Zach Levine got a chance to make some noise this year, but I have no idea what the sum of those parts will be in Chicago. I mean, I don't know if they have enough of the right pieces. I know I love marketing, but I just don't know if they have enough of the right pieces to be a competitive team in terms of improving from a 27-win season in that 13 seed and making any sort of noise. Do they look like the island of, of Miss? Misfit pieces to you, or do they look like they fit better in theory than they do maybe in the flesh? More of the former. They Mm -hmm. look like the misfit is a good word. Mm -hmm. The one thing I'll say about Levine and Parker, amazingly, they both tore their ACL within five days of each other. Did you know this? Yeah, that's creepy. Levine on February 3rd, 2017, and Parker on February 8th, 2017. I only looked up the dates because I've heard often that it takes 18 months to Mm -hmm. really recover from an ACL tear. You can come back and play before that, but you're not 100% right before the 18-month mark or something like that. And so when the season starts, they'll be 20 months out from their ACL injuries. And obviously, they weren't yet at the 18-month mark at the end of last season. So I think that's an optimistic view, <laughs> right? That both of them will be uh, recovered from their ACL by the time the season starts. But like I said, I don't know how they fit. You know, last year before Levine came back from his injury, Chicago was really moving the ball. They were top five in both player movement and ball movement, but that slowed down with Levine. And I think it will continue to slow down with the addition of Parker. I think Parker's a four, right? But they have Markinen, Carter, Lopez, Porter, Portis. Is he small forward on this team? And is he ever going to play the four on this team? I'm curious about that. And so... I still think, you know, the sum of the parts is something like the 11 or 12 seat, you know, uh, in the East, (laughs) which is, you know, maybe a step forward. And obviously they have a young core to keep building, but I don't think this is the year that they get particularly competitive. Yeah. Who's got more of the onus on their shoulders in Chicago this year? Is it front office? Hoiberg, I don't think you can point to a guy on that roster and say he's supposed to be carrying us or he's good enough to carry us or he's a guy that's got to tote the load from that perspective. I mean, is it the front office went all in on Hoiberg as their pick as a coach? Is it on them this year if they're not successful or is it on the coach? I mean, I think it's on them. I mean, they gave Jabari Parker a two-year, $40 million deal. Right. They gave Levine all that money. He still owed $78 million over the next four years. And it's not clear that either of these guys is the second or third best player on a good team, you know. And so I think the front office has a lot riding on those two guys, although this front office has been around for a long, long time and and has done some things that aren't great, done some good things, done some bad things and, you know, has stuck through it. So just because I think the bull success is more on them doesn't mean that they have any lack of job security. Good point. This Central Division, you know, I remember a couple of years ago thinking, man, this could be the powerhouse division. That was when I thought LeBron was going to be there for a long time and everybody was going to be trying to catch the Cavaliers. Now the entire outlook changes. Who knows 
you know, which one of these teams rises and becomes the standard bearer. I love how unique an NBA offseason is in terms of changing the hierarchy in the entire league. The Eastern Conference, after those top three teams we talked about, shoot that are in the Atlantic, it's up for grabs, basically, everything else in the East. It's going to be fascinating to see how these teams mature and grow and develop over the course of this season because there's a bunch of teams with young groups of players, talented young guys that have not hit their stride yet. And we're going to see it in real time, which one of them takes that next step. And I think there's some prime candidates in the Central Division. Do you have a statue that kind of sum up this entire conversation about the Central Division? It doesn't sum up the conversation what's bit, but it is a a trivia question about somebody in the Central Division. Got you. Let's go. I'll give you that. So there are 260 players Mm -hmm. who played at least 40 games each of the last two seasons. Okay. Which of them saw the biggest drop in scoring average from 2016-17 to 17-18? Wow. I will tell you what this player in 2016-17 averaged 20.5 points per game in about 30 minutes per game. Mm-hmm. Last season, he averaged 13 points per game in about 23 minutes per game. So he dropped 7.5 points per game average. Here's your sort of mega hint. Okay. In 2016-17, he was on one team. Last season, he was on another team. And this season, he's on a third team. Oh, gosh. And the third team is obviously is in the Central Division. Right. Oh, I think who's been a nomad and who's been... He averaged more than 20 points per game two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. And he's on his third hint? team. He's on his third team in the last three years. But here's another hint. Okay. That team that he averaged 20 points per game on two seasons ago, he is the all-time leading scorer for that franchise. Man, why can I not get this? Mentioned his name briefly in this conversation. Gonna say, I'm going to be upset if it's somebody that, like glaringly obvious that I'm overlooking. All right. He's not on the Bulls. I'll eliminate that one team. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm He's on loss. the Milwaukee Bucks. He's the all-time leading scorer for one franchise. Mm-hmm. We played for a different team last year. Right. With via trade. Okay. And then this year signed as a free agent uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Brooke Lopez? Brooke Lopez. Wait a minute. Correct. Who's he? The, he's the all-time leading scorer for the Nets? Yes. Are you kidding me? In NBA, yeah, NBA history. He's like, he had like four more points than Buck Williams. Oh, I was going to uh, say, you got to be kidding me. Nope. Wow. Good for you, Brooke Lopez. <laughs> Keep renting. One, Don't Brooke buy. Was no, he, hey, remember when he was? He had injury issues? He's played at least 72 games each of the last four seasons. Good for him. Way. I wish he'd start rebounding like a seven-foot-tall guy. It would allow us to not diss him every night on the highlights. Okay. Anyway, fascinating conversation. She was always appreciate your insight on the central division and what it looks like. We'll be back on Thursday with our Southwest division preview. In the meantime, make sure you read Sean Powell's 30 teams and 30 days series on NBA.com. It's been up all month. He's going deep on each and every team. Should be super interesting trying to see how those previews and, and kind of the, these forecasts line up with what's going on in these training camps as teams start showing up, guys start hitting the floor, injuries become evident, you know, all these other things that are swirling around these teams as we get ready for the 2018-19 uh, season. If you haven't already, subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for episodes all season long, and we will see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say kuna matata.
Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.